0: We want to become the most dominant most physical most disciplined team not this year not next year every year that's who we want to become I that's why this is going to be a marriage made in heaven for a long 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 time
1: we will absolutely set this
0: place on fire and if you're you're late don't come in like
1: this we will win a national championship so we're here with kevin McNamara from the five journal on the saturday morning of late night madness Kev, thanks for coming on you're welcome Kev. what are we thinking for tonight with shack in town
0: uh all i can say is if he starts to break dance get out of his way he's a big man <laughs> are,
1: are you planning on going
0: I am actually not uh it 's a busy Saturday night uh, We were at uh campus yesterday to talk with the players and uh, and the coaching staff and uh i'll 'll leave late night madness to the students the three thousand students who yet again will uh, will pack uh Laney Gym. it's it, it's a fun night, but uh there 's not a lot of news there no there's none and
1: i 'm going to go I, I usually go every two or three years and I kind of remind myself when I go that I don't need to go over again, but I figure Shaq being there tonight, I at least want to see him and get a chance to hopefully meet him for a minute.
0: But um, I, I, I dealt with Shaq uh, in his brief time with the Celtics. Um, he, he is what he appears to be on TV. He has a massive, massive personality. And yeah. uh, I don't know what Providence is paying uh, Shaq to come and, you know, make an appearance. And I guess he's going to uh, be a DJ for about an hour or so, but uh, it, it's well worth it. He, he's he's a huge, Uh, again, personality and certainly the the recruits and players uh, are really going to get a kick out of them.
1: Yeah, it's going to be great. And I was thinking, it's kind of funny because there were some folks online who were were questioning if Shaq still resonates with young people. And I was thinking back, I graduated from PC in 2001. And I mean, we used to have students that were hosting it and the highlight was, you know, an undergraduate (laughs) lip sync contest. So it's kind of funny (laughs) that. They've built this up and built this up to the point that they're getting shack, and some people are questioning if, if it's even a big deal. It's a very big
0: deal. Believe me, uh, most of the people who, who, you know, fans who went to Providence College, they have no concept of how big the fall recruiting weekends are at football schools. Uh, for example, later on this afternoon, uh, Tennessee is hosting Alabama. Rick Barnes is the coach down there. Now I, I think they have a dozen kids. What what kid you know, uh, you know, potential volunteer basketball player, wouldn't want to go and see, you know, Alabama-Tennessee football game. It is a humongous draw. And at a place like Providence, this is the only draw that they have throughout the fall. So it, it, it's a very big night for them.
1: Do you think it still resonates? I feel like we used to really focus on who was there for late-night madness. And maybe, I don't know, it seemed like, you know, mass rivals and programs will bring, will bring you know, 15, 20 kids. Yeah. Um, do you think it's still a huge recruiting tool for PC, or is it just kind of something additional that they do?
0: No, it, it's a big recruiting tool. Uh, but, but your points well taken. Uh, you know, if there was a specific player in the class of 2017, uh, obviously, I think you realize that they're probably done with the class of 2017. Uh, that they that they were still recruiting. Th- this would be the weekend that they and the night that they want him on campus uh, because they're pretty much done with 17. They'll have open doors. Anyone from the class of 18, 19, 20 uh, who can come to campus, come on down. You know, come down, down. You might meet Shaq. You'll have a fun time. You'll be exposed to the campus. I think that's what the coaching staff is thinking. It's not as targeted as it would be if current seniors were, you know, in the mix. But uh, for juniors, seniors, and even freshmen, uh, there'll be a lot of kids on campus.
1: And, Kev, we'll get to this coming season in a sec, but I want to talk quickly. I know you and Bill had talked about on your Pick and Pop podcast a little bit about your new role as a columnist now at the Journal. Um, yeah. and you touched on you know, the Friar coverage. I was interested in just hearing a little bit more on you know how your role is going to change. I've got a lot of questions from PC fans on how your role is going to change, and I've been interested myself on, on yeah. how it's going to work uh, for Yeah,
0: well, I pre- appreciate you asking. Uh, Jim Donaldson, our longtime columnist, uh, who really enjoyed college basketball. He was really known for his Patriot and NFL uh, knowledge, covering that league for 30-plus years, but really enjoyed uh, covering college basketball, and I know he's going to miss uh, both PC and URI games. Um, but Jim retired. Um, w- w- doesn't look like we're going to hire anyone uh, to replace him, per se, but that's kind of me. Uh, I'm becoming a columnist and doing an awful lot of really Patriots-centric columns, Um throughout the the Patriots season, uh, obviously bumps up against college basketball in a major way, especially uh, when we get into the playoffs in January. And I think we all know the Patriots will be in the playoffs in January uh, as a, as a favorite to go to the Super Bowl again. So what we'll see is I'm going to still do the bulk of PC games as, as a beat writer. uh, And uh, if, Game times uh, allow, I can certainly write columns. Uh, now I have the freedom to write columns off a PC game, but most of the time with the night games, it, it'll still be you know, game story and notes, what fans have been used to uh, f- uh, for years. Uh, Bill Reynolds will certainly uh, still be doing uh, an awful lot of college basketball columns as well. When I'm not around, I think you, uh, we'll definitely see Bill Koch, uh, who's our URI uh, beat writer last year. He'll be doing a little bit of both. Uh, and we'll also be uh, have some of our uh, Red Sox uh, coverage guys in their offseason. We'll be doing some college basketball as well. And how odd is
1: it going to be for you this year without Jim? I mean, I I yeah. kind of looked at his role. You know, he was almost the person who was comfortable when it was uncomfortable in the media room. Um, and yeah. I was wondering yeah. if you could talk about, you know, what his role was at the Journal and how he influenced your career there.
0: Yeah, no, he he, he will be sorely missed. He really was, you know. A, Uh, I think the way that he and Bill Reynolds complimented each other was perfect. Um, We won't have a Jim Donaldson-type guy on our staff. Uh, It's as simple as that. Um, He he had a unique voice. Um, An awful lot of columnists uh, don't write as much opinion as Jim did. Jim, I I would say, was at least 80% opinion. He very rarely did a a profile. Um, Bill Reynolds, for example, uh, does an awful lot of profiles with with his column. Uh, And if you look around the country, uh, I'd say most of of the, you know, columnists are are 50-50 mix of uh, opinion and profiles uh, or, or, uh, you know, issue pieces and whatnot. Um, I I think I'm going to be quite a mix uh, of both, Um, you know, both opinion and uh, profile. I think that's the way I'm approaching it going in.
1: And, and do you think guys like Jim are kind of a a rarity now with young people coming up? It just and I don't know. I mean, I imagine you have to be really thick skinned to do it. And I imagine it's even different now with, with Twitter and how folks have such immediate direct access to people. I just I wonder if for young writers coming up if it's even worth the hassle of taking people on and, you know, I'm sure taking a lot of the heat that he probably took during his career, but would even take more
0: nowadays. Um, I think that's overrated in, in all honesty okay. uh, you know in in this day and age, there's so much media out there uh, I, I call it an awful lot of illegitimate media right. you know guys who don't have a press pass that they're literally, literally writing columns from their uh, uh, you know couches mm-hmm. uh, don't go to games, don't go to practices uh, really uninformed, and yet they're talented writers. Uh, you, know, you can certainly be a talented writer writing out of your basement. Uh, and again, in, in this day and age, there's so much out there. I think it's up to the reader to decipher what's, uh, what's good, what's bad, you know, what they're looking for. And I still think there's, there's a big market for people who really like hard, biting opinions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and certainly Jim would offer that from time to time. So how
1: do you, you know, as an AP voter, how do you filter through? Because I have a tough time even just following all the Big East news. You know, you're you're voting nationally. Uh, I was curious as to what kind of resource, you know, who are your kind of go-to people that you read and how do you make a determination of, you know, or kind of how do you filter through all of that clutter? You mean in the AP voting? No, I mean, just as far as all the news that's out there. You know, I, I imagine you've got to, oh, yeah. being an AP voter, you've, you've got to, read a ton. And it just, it seems really overwhelming now.
0: So I was curious yeah. as to who you're reading and,
1: and why you're reading them.
0: Well, um, it's an excellent question. I, I think it's two separate things. Um, as far as the AP voting, um, I, I mean, I can read some, some stories about, uh, you know, what people think about certain teams, but I watch a lot of games. I, I mean, I, I, you know, have, you know, the, the package and whatnot. Uh, I, I watch, a lot of basketball during the uh, during the season. I think it'll be interesting to see uh, if that's uh, you know a little more challenged with the extra travel that I'm going to have to do uh, covering football. But uh, you know that's my passion. My, my college basketball is by far my favorite sport. Um, in my spare time, I will watch college basketball games. I take games. Uh, I just watch a lot of them, and that's really I, I don't go by what other people vote. Uh, how other people vote. Uh, I think these preseason uh, polls that come out in the middle of the summer are a complete waste of time. I mean, rosters change right up until uh, you know, the start of school in September. So that's a separate thing. To, to answer the crux of your question, there's too much to read in this day and age. Uh, I mean, I, I'm still a newspaper guy. I, I, write, I read what uh, you know, the, the Boston newspapers write. Uh, you know, I, I still buy a few news, hard newspapers a day um the new york papers and the boston papers uh, if i have a chance to, to get them and and read them uh in my hand i will do that um i think that's the only way to go in this day and age in, in all honesty uh, again we could have a whole a separate podcast about about you know uh, what readers uh you know can gain from reading the hard copy versus the online copy but um, I, I do read uh, ESPN.com I go on to the dot coms most of the stuff I'm reading right now is NFL related or college basketball related uh, it's it's all but impossible to stay up to date on four major sports um, uh, if you want to you know, have college basketball be, be a fifth college football be a sixth uh, I'm a big golf fan I, I read I read some golf um, I basically read all the time uh, whether it's uh, again, hard copy, or, or certainly on my desktop uh, or or, uh, or handheld. So it's it's yeah, you know, that's what I do. We, yeah. we 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 read and get
1: informed. Kemp, just changing gears a little bit. Um, I want to get to this year's team in a moment, but there was one thing that you wrote probably back in May or June. There that was really interesting um, when you were talking to Ed uh, around the draft, and he had talked a little bit about his relationship with Chris Dunn. And it was probably only a line or two that you would add in there, but it sounded like he had made mention, and maybe I'm misunderstanding, so let me know if I am, but that he had kind of talked about how his relationship with Ben might not have been the same, and that's something that he kind of wanted to work on going forward, that he was incredibly tight with Chris, but he wants to make sure he has that same relationship
0: up and down the roster. Um, I don't recall that, okay. but uh, I guess if you're asking me if uh – Ed's relationship with Chris was different than Ed's relationship with Ben. Yeah, I mean, that I guess me? just in general,
1: I, I I thought that he had, and again, maybe I was reading too much into the line, but I thought that he, it sounded like he was doing some reflecting and in, in saying that, and again, maybe I read into it too much, but I thought he was saying in the, in the quote in your article that yeah. you know he thought he could have done some things differently with
0: Ben. Well, uh, I, I think Ed would be the first one to say that Ben was uh, was. Could be difficult to coach, uh, w- where Chris was not. Mm-hmm. Uh, may- maybe that's what I was referring to. Okay. Um, uh, Ben was, I think, I think really because of his upbringing, not being from America, um, you know, really only being, uh, pretty new to basketball, really, if you think about it, and certainly new to, to this country, you know, only six years here. Um, he's a very proud, uh, kid, Ben, mm-hmm. uh, a little tougher to get back and forth with, um, um, uh, that, that said, obviously, you know Ed Cooley did a great job with Ben. Uh, made, made him you know made him a pro after two years, way uh, in advance of uh, what anyone would have thought when he was coming, uh, you know, out of high school. Uh, but, but Chris Dunn was, you know, uh, especially when he was healthy. Obviously, Chris went through an awful lot of challenges off the court with injuries. But when he was healthy, he, he was what you want. He, he was a complete tiger, uh, you, you know, and, and a real leader where Ben was a little more individual Uh, and everybody's different. You know, know, every 19, 20, 21 year old uh, young man in this day and age is very different. And those two guys were were very different players to coach. So obviously it's
1: going to be a big transition year for PC. They relied so heavily on Chris and Ben last year, but, you know, even taking that a step further, you know, Chris and LaDonte, it seemed like the last couple of years with PC And you could even make the case, you know, the year before with with Bryce Cotton that they really relied heavily on probably one or two main guys, whereas this year it's going to be a lot more um, diversified. They're almost forced to be. Um, So I want to talk a little bit, just get your thoughts, because I felt like, you know, obviously with a talent like Chris and Ben, you have to ride them as much as you can, but... I even feel like there's a lot of a lot we're gonna learn about guys like Jalen Lindsay or you know, Ryan Fizik has started well. I I think it was it was tough to get a read on a guy like Lindsay or some of the other guys when they're getting and you made this point in your podcast this week, when you're getting, you know, three, four shots a game, it's hard to get into rhythm and consistently put up numbers. So I'm interested to see kind of how they transition. But wanna get your thoughts on, you know, how you see this I mean, do you think they go as many as, you know, n- nine deep or is it going to be more a matter of just figuring out who can play and who can't
0: yeah no it's an excellent question because you know when you go to practice now and i'm not going to mention any names but uh certainly way back but even in uh in ed cooley's time at providence you know there'd be more than one guy at the bottom of the roster you said he, he can't play in the big east right uh i don't think that's the question with anybody right now you know um Uh, I think most fans would say that Ricky Council is, you know, at the bottom of the roster right now. And uh, I tell you, Ricky Council can shoot the ball. He's a much better player than he was last year, uh, way more confidence uh, than he had. But uh, everyone above, you know, from one to 11, I think can not only, you know, they can help in a Big East game, maybe even as soon as this year. Uh, that makes for really competitive practices, uh, Kevin, and, and that's really what I've seen in the couple times that I've been over there. I like all their new players. Usually, there's a freshman who comes in, and I'm like, "Well, you know, will he have a chance?" Uh, there's no question that all three of the of the freshmen uh, have they have not only have a chance; they're playing some this year. There's no doubt about it. Uh, Malik White, uh, Khalif Young, uh, and uh, Alfa Diallo uh, all definitely can help as soon as this year, uh, maybe even as soon as uh, the first month of the season. So, um, you know, as far as the returning guys, uh, you hit it. You know, I think they've all shown some flashes uh, with the exception probably of um, Kyron and Jalen Lindsay, none, uh, oh, obviously Rodney Bullock, Um, none have had the consistent playing time to really show what they can do. And, You know, that's called good coaching. You know, uh, everyone knows that I went to Syracuse, and I followed Syracuse really closely. I I think Jim Boeheim has been, he's in the Hall of Fame for a lot of reasons. He's got good players, but he makes sure that his best players, uh, number one, on the floor uh, at key times, but take most of the shots. I mean, doesn't that make sense? You you want you want your best guys uh, to, to be the best players. And Ed Cooley has done a really great job with that since he's been at Providence, whether it's uh, Bryce Cotton and Kadeem Batts and Ledante Henton and certainly last year with Chris and Ben uh, the numbers are are amazing. I mean, more way more than fifty percent of uh, the points and, and shots. Well, obviously that 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 detracts from the opportunity for everybody else. And, but do
1: you think that obviously obviously a school like Syracuse at this point they you know they're. You know, it's hard to get much better at one, two than Dunn and Bentle's, your top two options. But yeah. your three through six, I feel like there was a significant drop off for PC. And what I was struggling with last year was is it a matter of these guys aren't good enough or they just don't have the confidence because they're, you know, not sure. as big a part of the offense?
0: We don't know. Uh, we don't know. And, you know, I don't think Ed Cooley knows. I, I think he's going to find out really quick. I think he knows that Rodney Bullock is ready to make a major step up, and he showed enough uh, as a as a you know first year on the court player last year that um, you know he he's a good player and he's a, he's certainly a big, he showed last year he was he was a you know high level Big East player. After that, we're going to find out. I, I know that Kyron Cartwright can can play thirty minutes in the Big East and, and be very competitive. Uh, I, I think Jalen Lindsay is really going to have a chance to show what he can do this year where he just hasn't for two years. You know, he's, he's played, a, played a secondary role. As far as uh, everybody else, uh, Emmett Holt started some games at, at Indiana. I don't know how many guys on this roster would start some games at Indiana two years ago. So I know Emmett Holt is a starter and is going to be a very good player. So th- there's some building blocks here. And, again, I talked a, a little while ago about the new guys and, you know, uh, the added depth that clearly the rest of the Big East, uh, doesn't know about. And I'm not faulting the Big East coaches. All those guys worry about is, you know, their own, their own players. And when they do the poll, uh, you know, some of them may have heard of Khalif Young. You know, if, you know, if you're Jay Wright and you didn't recruit Khalif Young, uh, how would you know that he's any good? You know, you probably have never seen him play. Uh, maybe the same thing with Malik White, you know, uh, so you know, I can't imagine that, uh, you know, uh, Doug McDermott out in uh, you know uh, Omaha has ever seen Malik White play. So uh, how would he know if he's good, bad, or indifferent? Um, so uh, you know that just goes to say that you know Providence is, was picked ninth in the coaches' poll, and uh, we'll see what happens.
1: Yeah, and Kev, just to follow up on the the coaches' poll, I I didn't I don't know I, I didn't I wasn't that outraged over ninth. I thought this team would be anywhere from you know the eight or nine range. The one thing I thought you could maybe the coaches don't take into consideration is the coaching itself. And I was wondering your thoughts on the Chris Mullen situation at St. John's. I think from an outsider standpoint, it feels like I just imagine these college coaches, especially when they're starting have to be so hungry, you know, and there's so much that goes into it. You're not just a coach, but you're hanging out at these gyms all summer and you're a ambassador for the school. And I just wonder with a guy like that, how it can work and how engaged he's going to be long-term?
0: Well, uh, it's, a, it's a good question. I, I, I was not impressed last year with just the way they played. I, I, th- I thought they, they, they didn't play all that hard. Uh, when, when they met adversity, they caved uh, a little bit uh, too consistently. Uh, that said, I did like some of their freshmen. Uh, and, I, I, you know, with the additions that they have, you know, they got a good Juco in theory. And uh, I know Shamari Pons is, is a good player as an incoming freshman. They were given an awful lot of credit. Not an awful lot. Hey, they, they, they picked 8th out of 10 teams. You know, what's the difference? Right. But uh, they were given uh, some credit for their incoming class that I, I think Providence wasn't given credit for. Uh, and if a coach is going to pick St. John's ahead of Providence. But uh, again, whether you're 8th or ninth in a preseason poll, what does it matter?
1: Right. And Kevin, just two more questions for me. I was wondering... You know, you, you went pretty deep in your podcast with Bill this week, but the one player you didn't touch on was Drew Edwards, and I know he's hurt right now. And I was yeah. wondering if you had an update on how his knee is doing, and then also was wondering how much you have heard from Ed or the staff, how much that hindered him last year when he was playing.
0: Yeah, it definitely hindered him a little bit towards uh, the end of the year. You know, obviously his uh, uh, playing time, you know, it was cut in half a little bit. I, I think they really like Drew's uh, aggressive defense. Clearly can guard and stay in front of point guards as well as use his size to deal with, with off guards. Uh, he's a valuable player for his defensive intensity. Uh, I think they definitely want to get him in the mix and up and running as soon as possible. Uh, he, he was running yesterday, uh, was in some, uh, some shell drills, uh, you know, obviously wearing a knee brace. Um, you know, the plan is definitely to get him back on the court within a week or two. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if he's available for the exhibition game uh, against Carlton. Yeah. Um, my guess is no, but uh, we'll get a better read uh, when that comes
1: down. Yeah, I just I, I think Edwards is the perfect kind of guy for PC. I think he'll be a really good four-year player if he can stay healthy. I just I thought he did a lot last year, um, showed a lot of maturity for a freshman, so I was hoping he would get up to speed. And I, I worry a little bit when these guys are dealing with injuries the entire summer that sometimes they linger or they didn't have the time to put in you know, conditioning-wise or, or work on their game as much as someone else. No,
0: I, I agree. And, uh, you know, D- Drew's issues, the good news is that what he brings to the table is that, uh, you know, uh, intensity and toughness defensively. Uh, usually that's not a thing that needs to be improved. He needs to improve his offensive game, and uh, certainly that could have taken a hit this summertime. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think his role is not really going to grow all that much this year outside of what he did last year. He certainly could see more minutes doing what he did last year. But um, uh, the, he, can, I think he can play some point guard, um, although uh, Cooley has mentioned both. Obviously, Malik White is the backup point, uh, but Alpha Diallo, he has uh, gone out of his way to say he can definitely play some point guard. So I, I think who sees uh, some time alongside um, uh, Kyron Cartwright and subs uh, and, and you know, comes in for him is going to be very interesting with this team because they definitely... Uh, my concern with Providence is, is their backcourt. Um, backcourt and outside shooting. Uh, the, 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 those are my two uh, my two uh, you know, concerns.
1: Yeah, the the Diallo thing I was really surprised about because I thought it was a pure wing, and I was wondering if it was just because, I guess they had Malik White, but I didn't know if that was more of a... Uh, have it come down to Diallo and White and made the best man win, but I didn't know if that seemed like they are trying to... And again, I've only seen them a couple of times, but if they were trying to squeeze Diallo into a role of a playmaker, or I was thinking he was more of a, a scorer.
0: Yeah, no, I, I've, I've seen, I really haven't seen Malik White play in a game, but I've seen Diallo play, I'd say, three times in a game. And he's a very good passer, and he does handle the ball really well for his size. Okay. So I think that's just a way to get him more minutes. He's going to see some time in the wing. And, it, it, you know, his issue is his three-point shot. If he can shoot the ball well from the line, uh, he's going to play an awful lot. Uh, I just don't know if, he, if he's ready to do that. Uh, in, in the meantime, he can slide over to the one and, and replace uh, and give Kyron a blow. You know, I, I think Kyron's uh, size. You know, he, he's not Chris Dunn, folks. Okay, let, let's get that straight. Uh, he's not even Vincent Council, who, who, who's a strong, six-two, uh, you know, athletic, uh, big kid from from New York. Kyron is slight, but he, he might be the fastest guy in the league. Uh, with maybe him and and Watson out at uh, Creighton, that that's his calling card is his speed and quickness. That said, I don't know if he can play you know thirty five minutes uh, like a Bryce Cotton did. Uh, so they need to find someone else to run the team and, and you know push the pace uh, as the point guard.
1: And Kevin, just my last question: I was wondering what your impressions were. Obviously the. Over the last two years, PCs revamped their staff a little bit uh, with Ivan Thomas being here and and Jeff Battle. But I was wondering what your impressions were of just how the staff has evolved. And it seems like obviously they've been really strong in Virginia recruiting, getting both Dickens and Watkins, who are are big time recruits out of Virginia. But was one of your overall impressions of them as a staff and kind of how you see their them evolving as a recruiting staff?
0: Yeah, uh, good question. Um, I, I think the key to success in recruiting is uh, first of all, it's always the head coach. He, he needs to be, you know, the, the hardest worker and, and, you know, obviously the closer. But consistency in, in a staff is really, really important. And you know, Jeff Battle is now here in his second season. Ivan Thomas in his first season on the road, but second season here. And Brian Blaney has uh, obviously been with uh, Cooley since he came to Providence so i i think answer to answer the question i think we'll find out a little more as time goes on uh and battle and ivan thomas uh have multiple years together on the road um you know working with cooley uh the early returns are obviously impressive with uh with dickens and nate watson assigning so so quickly with uh and and uh, Thomas, Ivan Thomas, had uh, his hooks into both of those two guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff Battle, obviously, he- heavy work on Nate uh, Watson as well. But, um, you know, we'll see going forward. I, I I do find it odd that Providence hasn't had a lot of success uh, in New England. That's was my next um, question. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously, Alpha Diallo, getting Alpha late was, uh, was really a great get. Uh, you know, uh, very highly recruited uh, Brewster Academy, you know, New York City, although he, you know, did do a year out in Colorado. He's a he's a New York kid from Brewster Academy. They need more kids like that because there's an awful lot of good players from the uh, you know New York, New England area who play in the in the New England preps here. Uh, you know, as as we've seen for a long time.
1: Do you think with New England kids, it's kind of a girl next door syndrome where they, you know, they've probably known Cooley and the staff and been to the elite camps and been to campus for you know two or three years, but then someone else comes calling when they're between their junior and senior year and it's a new campus, it's bigger, it's different. I just, I struggled to understand why. And again, they're going after really high level kids. It's not like they're they're going after, you know, so-so players out of here. But I'm surprised just with Cooley's personality and the success they've had in other areas of the country that they haven't been able to get at least one of the better New England prep kids in the last two or three years.
0: Yeah, you know, uh, every single case is different. Every single case, you know, um, you know, good one to talk. Yeah, and, and a lot of things come into, into focus. Whether it's uh, their parents and what they're looking for, uh, their AAU coaches have, have a heavy, heavy uh, influence. And you know, is reputation with the AAU scene is is very good, but certainly they've struck out totally with, with some programs. Uh, for example, uh, Expression. a lot of the Expressions kids uh, are just kind of getting going now. And, you know, I, I, I do think, you know, I'm pretty heavily involved with with the AAU scene and uh, some of these coaches, they want their kids to go to the highest level because it makes their program look good. Right. It's as simple as that. So, uh, you know, forget about Providence or Connecticut uh, or Massachusetts or Rhode Island. If they get a chance to send a kid to, to Kentucky or Duke, they would rather, they, they would push a kid there. Now, whether that actually, you know, you know it turns out uh, remains to be seen, but I can guarantee you that's the case. I mean, there's no it helps their program, it helps their profile, helps their profile with with uh, with Adidas, Nike, or you know whoever their sneaker uh, sponsor is. It, 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 every single case is different. Uh, last year, Kevin Marfo, the uh, ABC kid, uh, he really liked Providence. His parents were insisting that uh, he go to an international type school, so he ends up at George Washington. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're not American. You know, they're from outside the country. So you know, every single case is different.
1: And did Ashton Langford seem like that was almost a good to have recruit? Because um, I always got the sense that he was a Yukon lean, and again, that's with no inside information at all, but just kind of following it from afar. But it almost yeah. seemed like the big guys were the priority for PC if they could get Ashton Langford, great. But I feel like some things would have to break. Right, another thing people don't consider either is sometimes. You need someone to recruit or to land at a school, you know, if another point guard goes to UConn before Ashton Langford, maybe it's a different ballgame. But um, what was your sense with that one?
0: Yeah, I'm familiar with the situation pretty uh, pretty well. Uh, Obviously, um, Ed Cooley said all along that, you know, the the kid wanted to go to UConn and it was, you know, Providence's job to convince him otherwise. And in the end, he went to UConn because that's where he wanted to go uh I, I think it'll be interesting how much uh that kid plays i, I like him i think he's a good player uh, he, uh you know connecticut has a very good point guard right now in uh jalen adams and they have a big time freshman in altareek uh help me out uh, Gilbert. Gibson is it uh Alterique gilbert um so i'll be you know i don't know where the minutes are going to be for that kid it'll be very interesting uh it'll be really interesting 3 years from now Uh, who has a better college career, him or Malik White. You know, Providence is very happy with Malik White. He's a freshman. So, you know, if uh, Ashton Langford had come here next year, he'd be, you know, not only would have to deal with Malik White, he'd have to deal with uh, Tyron Cartwright as a senior. So I think your point is well taken. It will certainly take a good guard uh, if they can get one. But uh, the focus right now uh, at that point was clearly two big guys. I think it will be interesting to see how good Dickens and Nate Watson are. Uh, you know, I know PC fans are really excited about him, but uh, Dickens is is a thin, big kid with a huge upside. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be ready next year. I think this year is really important for him. Uh, he had some injury issues last year as a junior in Virginia. This year he has a chance to, to really have a breakout year. And with big guys, uh, you know, development, is, it, it comes very slowly. Uh, patience with big guys, he is not a one-and-done you know, big time, you know, guy like that. He's a developmental big guy who in two or three years could be a complete monster uh, because he's going to be close to seven feet. Uh, He's very athletic. He runs well. Uh, The scouting reports are really good. Nate Watson is a big, thick, aggressive kid that Ed Cooley really likes. Uh, He needs to get in better shape. Um, And again, he's you 18, 19 years old. Uh, He's show me what he looks like at 21. He could be, he could be a monster. Uh, So the potential of those two big kids is really important. And just remember, they don't lose anybody. There's no seniors on this current roster. So uh, competition for playing time uh, will be next year will be just as intense as it is right now.
1: And just on pure upside, I I was trying to think of, and again, we can close on this, Um, but, I've heard, you know, Khalif Young is absolutely huge. And, you know, I, I saw some of your your tweets about how high Ed Cooley is on him. And I think yeah. Ed had said on his coach's show at John Rook this week that he thought he could lead the league in rebounding at some point. But I was trying to think when you think of, and who knows, like you said, how these kids are going to develop. But from a pure potential standpoint, I was trying to think of the last time that PC had three big guys like this in a two year span that had this much upside coming in. I, you know, they had Pascal and Ben in the same year, but as far as three, I, I couldn't think of any time recently where they had three really high upside big
0: like this in the pipeline. Yeah, no, no, I think they're really happy with, uh, you know, Dickens, Nate Watson, and Cleef Young being on the roster next year. And uh, Emmett Holt is probably better than all of them because he'll be a, uh, you know, a, a fifth year senior next year. So, you know, he, he's going to get, uh, you know, some basically the bulk of the playing time next year at that at, power forward position. Uh, and again, it just shows that, uh, you know, they have the depth that you're looking for uh, and, you know, a program. You, you, you want to be a program. You want good players to keep coming in every year. And, uh, you know, you got to credit uh, Ed Cooley and his staff for, for kind of stockpiling, uh, you know, big guys. Uh, I think we've seen throughout his first five years here, that's been, uh, you know, that, that's that been a concern. You know, the lack of size up front mm-hmm. certainly was a, was a major, major issue in uh, the team last year. And yet, you know, obviously they still had a really good season.
1: Right. All right, Kev. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, looking yeah, forward to seeing uh, you a couple
0: of weeks. God, I can't believe we're two weeks away from the first exhibition game. Exhibition game, and I'll, I'll be there opening night for the uh, Vermont Catamounts. a very dangerous opening night game. Uh, that's a team that uh, can win the America East and with such a, uh, you know, inexperienced, uh, question mark filled team like the Friars. Uh, I expect that to be uh, be a tough opener.
1: Yeah, it's going to be tough. We're looking forward to it. Great, Kev. All right. I'll talk to you soon. You're welcome. Thanks again.